Welcome to the beginning of guidance podcast series for Muslim women. This is brought to you by MISC Women, the Muslim Institute for Sacred Knowledge. My name is Um Abdullah and Ahlan wa Sahlan Bikum. As we are about to enter into the 10 blessed days of this 12th month of the Islamic Hijri calendar called Dhul Hijjah. And the, this is the month of the Hajj. And it is these days in which fasting is one of the most highly recommended activities that a Muslim can engage in. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just happens to have given us the tawfiq, the divine and enabling grace of having reached the chapter on fasting in the book, The Beginning of Guidance, Bidayatul Hidayah, of Imam Ghazali, may Allah raise him in rank and have mercy on him eternally. So I have decided to bring our episode forward by a couple of days, inshallah, in order to talk about fasting as we embark, inshallah, on praiseworthy acts in these 10 days, blessed acts, inshallah, that bring us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the purification of ourselves and through the emulation of prophetic conduct and practices and through the manifestation of the most ennobling and gracious acts of worship, inshallah. So before we begin, of course, our dua of Imam Haddad for seeking knowledge. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma inni nawaitu ta'alama wa ta'alim wa tadhakura wa tadhkir wa nafa' wa al-intifa' wa al-ifada wa al-istifada wa al-hatha ala tamassuki bi kitabillahi wa sunnati rasulih wa dua ila al-huda wa dalalata ala al-khair ibtigha'a wajahillahi wa mardatihi wa kurbihi wa thawabihi subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ameen. You can find that on our At Misk Women page on Instagram and also you're most welcome to join us on our private Facebook group, Misk Women Halaka, inshallah. Okay, today's lesson, as we said, is on the etiquette of fasting, Adab al-Siyam, and our commentator Al-Jawi has given us a very enriching commentary on Imam Ghazali's text here. So inshallah, we will begin and just point out at the beginning that Imam Ghazali hasn't mentioned the month of Ramadan, which is the only month of obligatory fasts for a Muslim. And the reason for that, I think, is because the book is about reminding people about taqwa, about re-establishing people in uh, practices of the sunnah that they may have forgotten or left off, and about bringing the Muslim back to the straight path, reorienting the Muslim towards what they're meant to be doing and helping them sort themselves out a bit, pull up their socks and remember a few really important but basic things like you're going to die and you're going to meet Allah. So if that in any way makes your heart move or has any effect on you, then come and read this book and practice what's in it and inshallah you will be moving along in the right way on your journey back to your Lord, inshallah, with bliss and felicity, not only in this world by practicing this religion properly, but also eternally in the afterlife, inshallah. So he begins, Rahimahullah, may Allah benefit us from him in both abodes, inshallah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, adab al-siyam, la yambaghi an taqtasira ala siyami Ramadan. فَتَتْرُكَ التِّجَارَةَ بِالنَّوَافِلِ وَكَسْبِ الدَّرَجَاتِ الْعَالِيَةِ فِي الْفَرَادِيسِ وَتَتَحَسَّرَ إِذَا نَظَرْتَ إِلَى الصَّائِمِينَ كَمَا تَنْظُرُ إِلَى الْكَوَاكِبِ الدُّورِيِّ وَهُمْ فِي عَلَى عِلِّيِّينَ You should not confine yourself to fasting only in Ramadan, thereby neglecting the spiritual commerce of voluntary acts, as well as the acquisition of high degrees in upper levels of paradise so that you would feel regret on looking up toward the ones who had fasted extra fasts 
just as you look up towards brilliant stars, as they would then be in the highest of the high heavens. Al-Imam Jawi tells us that fasting is lijamul muttaqin, which means it's the reins or the very apparatus or equipment or in this case like the practice through which those who have taqwa of Allah actually control themselves and enable themselves to move. Just as the rider on a horse is in control of the horse through their use of the reins and the bit in the horse's mouth and of course how they sit in the saddle and their posture and their whole riding technique. But basically it's those reins which steer the horse. And so for the believing person, for the Muslim, then fasting is like that. It's through fasting that we're able to steer and control ourselves by breaking and overcoming our lowly desires and passions for the things of this dunya through needing to fill our bellies all the time and satisfy ourselves with these animalistic traits which of course are necessary for our survival but shouldn't be the very reason for which we live. We should use them for their purposes and be able to be in control of our desires and passions. So he says that fasting really is what enables us to take control of ourselves and he also says it's the practice of the pious and of those who draw closer to their Lord. Imam Ghazali counsels us and he says, now you wouldn't really want to be of those who on the day of judgment and in the Akhirah are looking at those who have clearly achieved more than you in the afterlife because of the way in which they were able to pursue practicing here in this worldly life. And Al-Jawi goes on to tell us that in fact there are different doors to Jannah. And there is a very well-known hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّ فِي الْجَنَّةِ بَابًا يُقَالُ لَهُ الرَّيَّانِ يَدْخُلُ مِنْهُ الصَّائِمُونَ يَوْمَ الْجُمْعَةِ لَا يَدْخُلُ مِنْهَا أَحَدٌ غَيْرُهُمْ فَإِذَا تَخَلُوا أُغْلِقَ فَلَمْ يَدْخُلْ مِنْهُ أَحَدٌ He says that indeed in paradise there is a door called الرَّيَّانِ and the people who fasted the Sa'imona will enter through it on a Friday. And no one apart from them will enter through it. And then once they've entered, it will be closed. And no one after them will come through. So he talks about there being particular doors. He also mentions that there is a door called Al-Duha, which is for those who prayed the Duha prayer, the mid-morning voluntary prayer regularly. As well as, though, as well as one called Babul Farah, the door of happiness, in which no one enters except for those who brought happiness to the hearts of children. So he says, what do we get from this? We get from this an understanding that there are different types of worship which have their own reward and their special way of being compensated for, positively of course, in the next life. And that's all got to do with different types of obedience and worship. And that a person who fulfills many of those acts will enter through many, many doors into paradise. Inshallah, may Allah make us of those who enter into as many doors as possible, inshallah. Then Imam Ghazali breaks this section into two. And he talks first of all about the other days. So not the obligatory fast of Ramadan, but all the other days in the year in which it is most meritorious to fast. And then he talks about the realities of fasting in the internal sense. So he says here, so what he's mentioning here, first of all, are the yearly fasts. So there are three types. There are the fasts that occur annually, those that occur on a monthly basis, and those that occur on a weekly basis. So first of all, he's mentioning those that occur on an annual basis. And the first, of course, is Arafah, the ninth of the Hijjah, which is just around the corner. This is the day when the pilgrims on Hajj are all gathered on the plain of Arafah, where they are supplicating to Allah. And this is the most sacred day of the year, and it's the day of Rahmah, where Allah's mercy descends, and all those who are there are forgiven, and all those who they pray for are forgiven too, inshallah. Fasting that day is for those who are not on the Hajj, 
okay because those on the Hajj need their energy for what they have to do there it could be their once in a lifetime experience so they need to be as strong as possible to fulfill that so fasting is for everybody else so that we get to partake in worship on that day along with them also because it's coming up so we'll just mention it apart from fasting on that day which is the best day of the year it's also recommended to read Kulhu Allahu Ahad, Surah Al-Ikhlas, a thousand times, to read Surah Al-Hashar, to make an abundance of dhikr, and to generally keep oneself on that day in as many acts of worship as possible and as much dhikr as possible. And the reason for that is because, as it says in the hadith, that the person who fasts that day will have two years of sin forgiven, the one that has preceded and the one that is forthcoming. Another day that's mentioned annually is Yom Ashura, which is the 10th day of Muharram, which is the first month in the Islamic calendar. The reward for that is equivalent to the fasting of an entire year. What's not mentioned here is that it's recommended to actually fast either the 9th with the 10th or the 11th with the 10th. So not to fast the day of Ashura on its own. And one of the reasons for that is because when the Prophet ﷺ went to Medina, he found the Jewish community there fasting on that day and he asked them about it. And they said, oh, this is the day that Moses, Nabi Musa salam, uh, was rescued from Fir'aun from the pharaoh this is the day that the sea parted and the prophet said he said we are actually more deserving and more worthy of what nabi musa did and of him than you are and this is actually a really good example of how when the prophet found something good that was beneficial that other people were doing and because he's a sharia, because he is the lawmaker, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the ultimate lawmaker, of course, but the Prophet, والسلام, being his prophet, then of course he was the one who came with the law as well. And this is the sunnah, as well as actual ahkam rulings. And so he found what they were doing was extremely praiseworthy and so he took that practice and he made it also an Islamic practice and it really serves to highlight how, yes, Muslims can adopt the practices of other people in theory, they can emulate other people in certain things, but you must be sure about what you're doing and where it comes from. So to be fasting in order to celebrate the day that Allah saved Nabi Musa and his people, the Bani Israel, from the oppression of Fir'aun is a very good thing. So why not make that a part of the Muslims' annual practice? So that's what happened. But in order to differentiate the Muslims' fasting from the Jews' fasting, then it was recommended that a person fast either the 9th or the 11th along with the 10th so that we would fast two days and not just the one. It's also said that was the day for Prophet Noah, Noah alayhi salam, that the rain stopped and that his ark actually stopped on the Jabal Judi, on the, the Mount of Judi, and that this was a very significant day in the very ancient, ancient history of the prophets and that things had happened that day. Other days that Imam Ghazali talks about are Ashr al-Awwal min hijjah which is these days, the first 10 days of the hijjah and the hadith. ما من أيام العمل فيهن أفضل وأحب إلى الله عز وجل من أيام عشر ذي الحجة إن صوم يوم منه يعدل صيام السنة وقيام الليلة منه يعدل قيام الليلة القدر There are no days in which good deeds or actions or acts of worship that are practiced within them that are better or more loved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than the days of their hijjah. And he says, alayhi that indeed fasting a day of them is the equivalent to fasting a whole year and standing for a night in prayer in worship from them is equivalent to standing in the night of Laylatul Qadr in Ramadan. And that's narrated in At-Tirmidhi. Also, al-ashrul awwalu min al-muharram. So this is 
10 other days that Imam Ghazali makes mention of, which is the first 10 days of Muharram, again the first month of the Islamic calendar. And it is known that the Prophet ﷺ has said that أَفْطَلُ الصِّيَامِ بَعْدَ رَمَضَانَ شَهْرُ اللَّهِ الْمُحَرَّمِ وَأَفْطَلُ الصَّلَاةِ بَعْدَ الْفَرِيضَةِ صَلَاةُ الْلَيْلِ So the best fast after Ramadan is the month of Allah, which is the month of Muharram. And the best prayer after the obligatory prayers is the standing in the night, the prayer of the night. But Imam Ujawi tells us that this is in relation to the fact that the day of Arafah is the best day, so it would be after that. And that the best prayer, as mentioned in here, is actually in relation to or relative to the other confirmed sunnah prayers, which we have gone through in previous uh, episodes. Because those confirmed sunnahs are a stronger practice than the supererogatory prayer of praying in the night. Also, Imam Ghazali mentions Rajab and Sha'aban. Rajab is the seventh month in the Islamic calendar and is one of the four sacred months, which he mentions in the paragraph after that. And then Sha'aban, which is the month before Ramadan. So Rajab and Sha'aban, the seventh and eighth. Ramadan, of course, being the ninth month. And it is said that the Prophet ﷺ used to fast so much in Sha'aban that it was as though one would think that he was fasting Ramadan. Uh, however, and there's different rulings on it, but generally speaking, that we would fast the 15th of Shaban because the night before it is the Nisfu Shaban, the halfway point through Shaban, where the destiny, where what is coming for each person in the following year actually descends. And so we fast the next day in worship and submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's lots of things about that. And it's generally recommended for those, unless you have makeup days still from the last Ramadan, that you don't fast after those days unless it's your regular practice or you need to. Also, he mentions here in the uh, sacred months, so there are three, Dhul Qa'ada, Dhul Hijjah and Muharram are all together, which is these months of the Hajj, which enabled people to go in and out of Mecca to perform what they needed to. Uh, of the Hajj in that whole season without being harassed by highway bandits and all the rest of it. And Rajab is the one which is alone. So Imam Ghazali says, Wahada So this is the annual fasts. Wa shahr. And as for those in the month, he mentions here that it's meritorious to fast the beginning, middle and end of the month as well as the white days which are the 13th, 14th and 15th of every lunar month. So there are some days actually called Ayam Sud, the black days which and they are called as such because there is no real moon. So when the moon has waned so much and it's going to be birthed as the new moon, in those days where there isn't really a moon in the sky, that's the black days. And it's said that the people called it that and fasted that out of fear of the darkness of their sins. So they would fast those days to try and compensate for what they had been neglectful of in the month. And Imam Jawi says, if you fast the 27th, 28th and 29th of the lunar month, the Islamic month, then you will have fasted those days. Or if you fast on the 28th and the 29th, and then the month will either go to 30 days, or if it doesn't, and the next is the first of the next month, then you would have got the end of one month and the beginning of a next the full moon days, as I said, 13, 14 and 15, except for Dhul Hijjah this month coming up, the, the month of Hajj, because the 13th is one of the days of Eid and it's not permissible to fast on the days of Eid. So if a person wants to fast those full moon days, Ayyam al-Bid, then they replace the 13th day with the 16th day. So they'll fast the 14th, 15th and 16th. Insha'Allah, and may Allah give us the strength and the ambition, the spiritual ambition, the himma to do that, insha'Allah. As for the weekly fasts, Imam Ghazali reminds us 
that they are وَأَمَّا فِي الْأُسْبُوعِ فَالْإِثْنَيْنِ وَالْخَمِيسُ وَالْجُمْعَةِ فَكَفِّرْ ذُنُوبَ الْإِسْبُوعِ بِيَوْمِ الْإِثْنَيْنِ وَالْخَمِيسِ وَالْجُمْعَةِ وَكَفِّرْ ذُنُوبَ الشَّهْرِ بِالْيَوْمِ الْأَوَّلِ مِنَ الشَّهْرِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْأَوْسَطِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَالْأَيَامِ الْقِيدِ وَكَفِّرْ ذُنُوبَ السَّنَةِ بِصِيَامِ هَذِهِ الْأَيَامِ وَالْأَشْهُرِ الْمَذْكُورَةِ So he says, as for the week, then know that they are Monday, Thursday and Friday. So expiate for the sins of the rest of the week by fasting these days. He says, make up for the sins of the month by fasting the first day of the month, the middle and the last day, as well as the white days, as we've mentioned, and make up for the sins of the whole year by fasting all these days, as well as the aforementioned months. Mondays and Thursdays are known to be fasting days, and Friday, as we've mentioned in another episode, is not to be singled out for fasting, but if a person wants to fast a Friday regularly, they should do it either with Thursday or Friday with Saturday and that's because Friday is our weekly eat and the scholars say that it's a day of takbir, of saying Allahu Akbar, of ibadah, of dhikr, of uh, ghusl and of gathering with people. So it's really a sunnah to not be fasting on that day in order to help a person uh, do what's required in terms of those praiseworthy and meritorious acts on that day of weekly celebration. And the Prophet ﷺ used to look out for those days, yataharra, so he used to seek those days. And he said, ﷺ, إِنَّهُمَا يَوْمَانِ تُعْرَدُ فِيهِمَ الْعَمَالِ فَأُحِبُّ أَنْ يُعْرَدَ عَمَلِي وَأَنَا الصَّائِمِ Which means that indeed those two days are two days in which one's deeds are shown. And I love that my deeds should be shown when I'm fasting. So it means that they are displayed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I'll just go into that meaning in a moment. And even though it's known that the deeds, when they're raised up and displayed, that it happens after Maghrib, that is the closest time to when a person has fasted. So it's not literally when the person is fasting, but it's just after they have broken their fast. So what does it mean that the deeds are displayed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when Allah knows everything that a person's going to do anyway, even before they've done it? Well, Imam Jawi tells us that what we actually benefit from this arud, from this display or this, this exhibiting of the deeds is idharul adal and iqamatul hujjah. So the justice and the reward and everything that those deeds are for has now been brought out. And it's made clear and apparent that these deeds are worthy and worth a lot of, not just reward, because reward can sometimes sound so sort of vacuous, like, oh, I got reward for this. I and mean, we don't even really know what that means. And it does get overused because in Arabic, there's all different words for it. There's thawab and there's ajr and there's fa'ida and there's other ways of understanding it because these words have the similar concept, but there's a different expression for each one. So it doesn't get repetitive or overused. Whereas in English, when we use it, it just doesn't always seem to really sound as accurate or as meaningful as it does in Arabic. But also it establishes these acts as a proof. And, of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows about these things, but these deeds are now established as a proof or a witness for that person. So on the Day of Judgment, when the deeds are put in the scale, then those deeds can actually bear witness because they have been made apparent that they existed, that they happened, and inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will compensate for them fully and beyond what we could imagine, inshallah. There's one thing that Imam Ujawi mentions too, and that is that Imam Ghazali did not mention the six days of Shawwal. So Shawwal being the month after Ramadan, and it is highly recommended to fast six of those days, uh, the reward for which the Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ صَامَ رَمَضَانَ ثُمَّ اتْبَعَهُ سِتًّا مِنْ أَشَّوَالِ كَانَ كَالصِّيَامِ الدَّهَرِ so whoever fasts Ramadan and then follows them up with six days from Shawwal, it's as though he has fasted a whole year. So a whole year of obligatory fasts. And these are days that are highly recommended, um, particularly in the Shafi Madhab. 
and in the practices of the people of Terim, they would fast them immediately. So the first day of Eid will come on the first of Shawwal, and then thereafter they would fast six days uh, consecutively, and then after that, on the eighth of Shawwal, then they will have like a second Eid or the big Eid, and then they really celebrate. So different customs, different practices, but if you can fast any of those days, any six days in Shawwal, then it's highly recommended. And of course, Imam Ujawi reminds us to include as many intentions with our fast as possible. So for example, coming up now, the day of Arafat, Bidnillah, will be on a Thursday. So we can combine multiple intentions on that day. We can fast it, intending to fast the day of Arafat. We can fast with the intention of fasting a Thursday, which is a weekly sunnah fast. We can also intend to make up for an obligatory fast from Ramadan if we have days owing from when we were not able to fast. And we can also fast it because the Hijjah is one of the sacred months. And inshallah, in doing that, we will have combined four of the acts of fasting which Imam Ghazali has mentioned here in his book. Okay, we move on now to the second part of this chapter, of this section. And Imam Ghazali tells us, Bismillah. Bismillah. <laughs> بل تمام الصيام بكف الجوارح كلها عما يكره الله تعالى فينبغي أن تحفظ العين عن النظر إلى المكاره واللسان عن النطق بما لا يعنيك والأذن في الاستماع إلى ما حرمه الله عز وجل فإن المستمع شريك القائل وهو أحد المغتابين وَكَذَلِكَ يَكُفُّ جَمِيعَ الْجَوَارِحِ كَمَا تَكُفُّ الْبَطْنَ وَالْفَرْجِ فَفِي الْخَبْرِ خَمْسٌ يُفَطِّرْنَ الصَّائِمِ الْكَذِبُ وَالْغِيبَةُ وَالنَّمِيمَةُ وَالْيَمِينُ الْكَاذِبَةُ وَالنَّذْرُ بِشَهْوَةُ وَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ إِنَّمَا الصُّومُ جُنَّةٌ فَإِذَا كَانَ أَحَدُكُمْ صَائِمًا فَلَا يَرْفُثْ وَلَا يَجَهَلْ فَإِنْ إِمْرُؤٌ قَاتَلَهُ أَوْ شَاتَمَهُ فَلْيَقُلْ إِنِّي صَائِمٌ Okay, so Imam Ghazali says that when you do fast, do not think that fasting is simply leaving off eating, drinking and marital relations. For indeed the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said, how many indeed are those who fast, yet get nothing out of fasting, save hunger and thirst. A complete fast entails restraining every part of the body from what Allah Most High dislikes. You must protect the eye from looking at things that are disliked, the tongue from uttering what does not concern you, and the ear from listening to what Allah, the Magnificent and Majestic, has forbidden. For verily the listener is a participant with the speaker, and he counts as one of the two backbiters. You must restrain all of the limbs just as you restrain the stomach and the private parts, for a narration tells us, Five things break the fast, lying, backbiting, tail-bearing, the false oath, and looking with lust. Imam al-Jawi has quite an enriching commentary on that section, alhamdulillah, and he says, as for the one who only gets hunger and thirst out of their fasting if they leave food, the reason for that is because they didn't prevent their limbs from doing the things that were disliked. And that the person who is able to prevent their limbs, all of them, which includes the eye and the ear and the tongue and the hands and the feet and the stomach and the private parts from the things that are displeasing to Allah, then that is the person who has fasted the fast of the Salihin. And he says that this is called Som al-Khusus. So there are three different levels of fasting. There's the Som al-Awwam. So the Som, the fasting of the ordinary people who prevent themselves from eating and drinking in marital relations. And that's general and applies to everybody. Then there is the fasting of those who spiritually have moved ahead of that. And that's this particular fast where they're able to fast 
their limbs from doing things which are displeasing or disliked or from falling into the haram. And then there's the fast of those who are of the elect or the elite on the spiritual path. And they are the ones who are able to fast from everything except from their dhikr and remembrance and presence with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So first of all, Imam Ujawi expresses more about what it means to protect one's eye from looking at things which are disliked. And he says that also includes protecting one's heart from being busy with things other than Allah. And he mentions a hadith where the Prophet says, One's glance or looking is a poisoned arrow from the arrows of Iblis, of the shaitan. May Allah's curse be upon him. And the Prophet says that whoever prevents themselves from looking or leaves off looking out of fear of Allah, mighty and majestic is he, Allah will give him iman that he will find the sweetness of it in his heart. So he'll find that that sweetness, that delight, that joy in his faith, which will be in his heart if he's able to protect his eye. As for the tongue, then Imam Ghazali says it means not speaking about things that do not concern you. And we know the very famous hadith min husni islam al-mar'i tarkuhu ma la ya'nihi so from the best of one's islam and practicing of the religion is avoiding or staying away or leaving that which does not concern you and what does not concern you imam al-jawi tells us is that which does not is that which is not connected to the soundness or the best outcome of your return and your state in the akhirah, in the next life. It also means that it's not connected to anything essential or necessary for your daily life here and for your acquisition of necessities such as food, um, satisfying your thirst, um, needing to cover yourself, protect yourself against the elements, and also to protect your chastity and modesty. So if speaking about things is not related to any of those activities, then it could easily fall into this category of things which do not concern you. So the fasting person should be aware of what they are speaking about and guard their tongue from talking about things other than that which has just been mentioned. As for the ear, then a person should protect themselves from listening to backbiting, riba as it's called, and the ill speech about other people. And Imam Ghazali warns us and he says that whoever listens to that is also included in that. So you become actually equally sinful in that action as the speaker. So what to do then if somebody is sitting down with you and they want to start speaking badly about somebody else and there's no reason for it? The thing to do is to recognize that that is what is going on and try and change a conversation. Try and say, I don't want to talk about that now or I'm not interested or... Um, you know, let's not even go there and discuss other people. And there are many ways of doing it, but you should find a way that's suitable for the situation that you're in and try as fast and as best as possible to move away from that conversation. As for protecting all of one's limbs, it also includes the stomach and the private parts. And as for the stomach, that we'll come to, we will come to that in a moment as well uh, when we talk about breaking the fast. And the private parts, of course, one shouldn't look at uh, or engage in any type of uh, sexual activity whilst they're fasting because you could very easily break your fast. And the point of fasting is to try and control those types of desires. When Imam Ghazali says that five things break the fast, lying, backbiting, tail-bearing, which is gossiping and spreading rumors, and a false oath and looking with lust, it doesn't mean that the actual validity of the fast in terms of has it been performed properly in terms of the fiqh, it doesn't mean that that's been invalidated, but it means that the reward has been reduced significantly. It means that the barakah has been lost 
And it also means that the person hasn't attained the spiritual realities of fasting, which is what it's intended for. It's not just there to physically stop you from eating and drinking, but it's in that prevention and that avoiding or leaving eating and drinking for a certain period of time that you attain much deeper benefits for yourself, as well as physical ones, which have been documented, of course. And you'll find people now doing a two days a week fast, like they call it the 5-2 diet or something like that, which is exactly the sunnah fast of fasting Monday and Thursday. It's just Muslims knew the health benefits of this 14 centuries ago and modern people are only coming up with it now and thinking they're inventing the wheel. As we know, there's lots of physical benefits, but what's really intended here are the spiritual benefits. So a person invalidates their reward, not the practice of it. Then Imam Ghazali goes on and he says that innama sawmu jannah. So this is a hadith from the Prophet Then Imam Ghazali talks about fasting being a protection or a wiqaya, as it is called in Arabic, and that means a wiqaya or a protection from sin because it breaks and it weakens one's desire to want to sin. And when a person feels that little bit of tiredness or that little bit of weariness towards the end of a long day, for example, then you will know what it means. Like you just can't be bothered speaking. You just can't be bothered going there in your mind. You're focusing on other things. And so that's what it does. And so a continued practice of that then actually trains you to restrain yourself and not to just go over the edge and start talking about things, looking at things and doing things, which you would do if you had that full energy. So it's to train you and teach you how to restrain yourself. When the Prophet ﷺ said in this hadith, فَلَا يَرْفَثْ It means that when a person is fasting, then they don't speak uh, bad or corrupting talk. وَلَا يَفْسُقْ Which is another narration of it, so that you don't perform corrupt actions. And you don't do things which the ignorant would do. And Imam Ujawi explains that and he says that you don't look down upon people or joke about people or make fun of people or in, in any way do things that would look like someone who is a little bit foolish and imbecilic would engage in. And if it is that somebody approaches you aggressively or wants to fight you or if they insult you, then you say to them, Indeed, I am fasting. And that you say that two or three times, not just so they would know that you're fasting, but more to remind yourself, to prevent yourself from responding to that aggressive or negative action with the same. Then Imam Ghazali reminds us that we should strive to break our fast on halal food. And Imam Ujawi says, what's the point of fasting from the halal if you're only going to break your fast on something which is haram? When it's mentioned that a person should protect their stomach, what it actually means is not to overeat when you do break your fast. And Imam Ghazali says, وَلَا تَسْتَكْثِرْ فَتَزِيدَ عَلَى مَا تَأْكُلُهُ كُلَّ لَيْلَةٍ فَلَا فَرْقَ إِذَا اسْتَوْفَيْتَ مَا تَعْتَادُهُ أَنْ تَأْكُلَهُ دَفْعَةً وَاحِدَةً أَوْ دَفْعَتَيْنِ وَإِنَّمَا الْمَقْصُودُ كَسْرُ شَهْوَتِكَ وَضَعْفُ قُوَّتِكَ لِتَقْوَى بِهَا عَلَى التَّقْوَى And in that little statement is a little tiny gem of Arabic, of the Arabic language that Imam Ghazali has just kind of thrown in there and we will come to that and we will discuss what that is and hopefully that little spark of that gem will catch your eye and it will be something that you will want to look for. First of all, as we mentioned, you must make every effort to break your fast with lawful food and not eat so much that you end up eating more than you normally eat every night. He says there's no difference if you end up eating the same amount whether you do that in one meal or two. The purpose of fasting is to break your desire and weaken your appetite so you can have the strength to increase your taqwa. Now the statement there, li taqwa biha ala taqwa, is very informative because it shows us some of the majesty and some of the beauty and the deep expressiveness of the Arabic language. Because we have two words that sound the same but they're actually completely different. So when Imam Ghazali says, Li taqwa, he means to strengthen. 
So to strengthen by iti or takwa. So the breaking of your desires strengthens your takwa. And this is a verb which comes from kawiya. Kawiya yakwa kuwatan. Okay, so this is, if you know Arabic grammar and if you know Arabic morphology, then you know that this is a verb, which means so that you strengthen by it, ala taqwa. And taqwa here is taqwa, is this ism, this noun, this concept which we use for the fear of Allah and which this whole book is about. However, this taqwa is not the same as the verb. The first one, it's called an ism mazdar. And it actually comes from a completely different root, which is waqa, which means to protect. But it's not waqa wiqaya, as in protection, which we just took now when the Prophet said that inna somu junna, that som is a wiqaya, is a protection. It's not from that first form. It actually comes from the eighth form of the verb, which is ittaqa. So taqwa is what we call ism mazdar of ittaqa. And there are rules there for how the wow is changed into a ta. And those are quite complex rules of sarf, of morphology. But the point is that Imam Ghazali has a word play here. And as I said, this is a little gem. This is like a little diamond which has been thrown out. And for students of knowledge such as ourselves and most of us, uh, probably being non-native speakers of Arabic, these are the things that really get you going and really get you interested. So if there's a little spark in that, in the beauty of that, then I encourage you to pursue it and to go deeper into your studies of the Arabic language for you will indeed find that it is a sea without a shore and a sea that you want to be swimming in forever, inshallah, because of the amazing gems and of the amazing treasures that you will find in it. So as for eating one's fill, then Imam Ghazali goes on and he says, فَإِذَا أَكَلْتَ عَشِيَةً مَا تَدَارَكْتَ بِهِ مَا فَاتَكَ طَحْوَةً فَلَا فَائِدَةِ فِي سَوْمِكَ وَقَدْ ثَقُلَتْ عَلَى مَعِدَتِكَ وَمَا مِنْ وِيَعْءٍ أَبْغَضَ إِلَى اللَّهِ أَزَّ وَجَلْ مِنْ بَطْنٍ مُلِئَ مِنْ حَلَالٍ فَإِذَا عَرَفْتَ مَعْنَى الصَّوْمِ فَاسْتَكْثِرْ مِنْهُ مَا اسْتَطَعْتَ فَإِنَّهُ أَسَاسُ الْعِبَادَاتِ وَمِفْتَاحُ الْقُرُوبَاتِ If you eat in the evening as much as you missed eating during the late afternoon then there, or during the day, then there's no benefit in your fasting and you have placed a burden on your stomach. There is no container that Allah Most High dislikes more than a stomach filled with the lawful. Imam Bajawi says to us, don't ever eat your fill when you're fasting because then you'll really undo the good work that you're meant to be doing, which is training yourself. So it's about restraint all the time, about understanding that food is what we need to strengthen ourselves, as Imam Ghazali said, so that we can be more pious, so that we can understand and see the realities and have the veils of that desire for food and that thinking that somehow our satisfaction comes from filling our stomach so we can have that reduced and removed and the more we fast then inshallah we'll find the less food we actually need and that the veil that the fulfillment of the desire of eating that resides there will begin to fall away inshallah. There's a point that Imam Ujawi makes and he says however that's not the case for those who are involved in very heavy physical labor or he says for a breastfeeding woman because those two activities require a lot of energy and a person who's doing a lot of physical labor might be doing that engaged in that to provide for his family and a woman who is breastfeeding is obviously providing for the life of an infant so they need to eat as much as they need in order to fulfill those activities and for the benefit that they give so they would be two examples where it's not recommended for them to cut back on their food but where they actually need to eat what's required for them in the evening Imam Ghazali mentions a hadith that the most disliked vessel that is filled to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a stomach which is filled with halal. It's not that the halal food is the issue, it's the filling of the stomach. And Imam Ujawi says that filling of the stomach and satisfying that desire actually 
corrupts your deen and your dunya. And it's also one of the main reasons for illness, which we know. And I don't think any of us need any explanation about food-related illnesses. We're surrounded by it all the time. Obesity, uh, certain type of diabetes, heart disease, all sorts of issues which we should know about. Reducing food intake and fasting has many benefits, inshallah. Then Imam Ghazali says, Now that you understand the meaning of fasting, fast as much as you can, for it is the foundation of acts of worship and the key to that by which one draws near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said, لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ بَابٍ وَبَابُ الْعِبَادَةِ الصَّوْمِ for everything there is a door or a doorway and the doorway of ibadah of worship is fasting. So if you go through that doorway of fasting inshallah you will have understood what it means to lower yourself in worship, to submit, to be obedient and to taste the fruit and the sweetness of what worshipping does in the fullest sense inshallah. As for the rewards of fasting in the last paragraph Imam Ghazali mentions a hadith where the Prophet said, and this is a hadith Qudsi, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in a hadith Qudsi, every good deed is rewarded from 10 times to 700 times except for fasting, for indeed it is for me and I will reward it. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also said, وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ لَخُلُوفُ فَمِ الصَّائِمِ أَطْيَبُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ مِنْ رِيحِ الْمِسْكِ يَقُولُ اللَّهُ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى and we took that hadith at the beginning because it was in the commentary. But first of all, when it comes to the reward, um, the Messenger of Allah also said, wassalam, By him in whose hand is my soul, the smell of the breath of a fasting person is more pleasant to Allah than the scent of musk. Allah, most blessed and exalted, says, Truly he has given up his desire, his food and his drink only for my sake. Fasting is for me and I will give reward for it. And as we mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ said, Paradise has a door called Rayyan, through which none enter except those who fast, and once they have entered, it is closed. Imam al-Jawi says that that scent of the fasting person's mouth, so there's a particular smell that comes when no food or drink has entered the mouth after a few hours, and he says that the meaning of it, that it is more pleasant to Allah than the smell of misk, means that it is more pleasing to Allah than the smell of misk or musk is to us. The other point which is made at the end is that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this hadith Qudsi that the servant has given up his desires and food and drink min ajali, so because of me, because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it means khalisunli, so sincerely for my sake which would mean, by implication, because it's a sincere act, that there is nothing of riyah, of ostentation, which has entered into it, because nobody knows if a person is fasting unless they say so. And if a person doesn't tell anyone, then they can't show off about it. And then there's sort of a little funny story which gets told sometimes where, where there was a person in the mosque who was praying and was reading the Quran so beautifully and there were some people standing there or waiting there and they were very impressed and they mentioned, oh, mashallah, this person reads the Quran absolutely stunningly like a beautiful bird and they were so moved and describing this reading of the Quran in these very delightful ways and then when the person had finished his prayer, he turned around and he said, oh yes, and I'm fasting too. 
So, of course, that's ridiculous because now the whole act of his praying and his fasting is just one big act of showing off. So he's obviously reduced for himself what he would get out of either of the two acts. But the point is that a person should protect their fasting and make it safe from any acts of disobedience, uh, whether that be outwardly from what we've mentioned about the limbs or whether that be inwardly, a state of the heart, where a person fasts with having ostentation. And then the last uh, hadith, which we mentioned at the beginning. So Imam Ghazali finishes and he says, This much as an explanation of the outward aspects of obedience should suffice you with regard to the beginning of guidance. And he says, if you want to know about the zakah, almsgiving, or the pilgrimage, the hajj, or know more about the prayer and fasting, then seek it in what we have set out in the Ihyalum al-Din, the revival of the religious sciences, and inshallah you will find it there. So that's the end of our first section, the first third of the book on the acts of obedience. And as I've mentioned before, both in the podcast and on the Facebook, it's designed to be a reminder for those who know and an introduction for those who don't. Uh, What I have explained here is by no means complete at all with regards to the fiqh, the jurisprudence. And of course, you are very strongly encouraged to go and take your knowledge from qualified people in your area or from uh, reputable sources online, reputable institutes and teachers. Inshallah, I hope that what has been presented here through Imam Ghazali's work and through the commentary of Imam Mujawi has been interesting and has increased you in knowledge and in shauk, in yearning for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And I hope that the benefits which these two great scholars have presented to us are something that we will take as knowledge that we act on and we ask Allah to make us min al-ulama al-amilin of those who know and act upon their knowledge And inshallah, may that be a witness for us and not against us. And may it increase us in iman, in faith, in yaqeen, in certainty. And most importantly, in taqwa. Bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. Wa sallallahu ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته